Sally Wigan likes him, and so should you. Adam, I think I think having millennials on the radio is awesome. I don't hate you. God. Adam Crowley. My dogs listen to you when I walk out the door. <laughs> on ESPN Pittsburgh. You found the Crowley Show, where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call, or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Tell your kids, tell your wife, we're doing radio up in here. A little bit of breaking news for the Pittsburgh Pirates. The player to be named later was revealed in the Pirates trade for Chris Archer. Of course, we know the other two pieces. Tyler Glass now goes to Tampa, and Austin Meadows goes to Tampa. Well, now it's Shane Baz, who also is the player to be named later, and he was the Pirates' first pick in the draft last year. So big news. Does that change your thoughts on it? For me, it does not. We'll hear what Jason Rollison now has to say from the Locked On Pirates podcast and, of course, BucksDugout.com. Jason, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Thanks for having me again, Adam. Appreciate it. Anytime. So what do you think? Does the Shane Baz inclusion in the trade make you think the Pirates gave up too much for Chris Archer? At first glance, it seems like people could think it's an overpay, especially after Tyler Glass now goes out and has just, a, I think, 20 strikeouts and 12 innings so far with Tampa. But uh, people need to realize this is the cost of doing business. Now, as you said at the top, Baz is a former first-round pick, 12th overall even, and has a nice selection of pitches. But by even the most optimistic of estimates, you won't see him in the majors until 2021 is the earliest. 2022 is probably more realistic. And he has a good selection of pitches, but who knows how many of those pitches will remain once he actually gets to the major league level, depending on how one plays versus the other plays, the fastball plays versus the uh, curveball, that kind of thing. So the Pirates actually you know, pay the cost of doing business for a front-line controllable starter who's controllable for three and a half years. I wonder if this is the Pirates, and probably not, but I wonder what you think. If it's the Pirates admitting maybe that they're not so great with developing pitchers and go out and get a guy who is already developed, a guy who already has had a track record of success at the major league level, instead of having to count on somebody to make it through the minor league ranks and then become a great player. Yeah, well, certainly their track record has not been all that great. Uh, we'll see what happens with Mitch Keller, uh, who will be, in my opinion, the true test. I happen to lean that way. I do think that maybe they are realizing some of their shortcomings, and that's not going to change overnight. Uh, in the meantime, you do have to seal the team. You do have to stock your team and think into the future as well. Um, so I think maybe this is the start of a change in that philosophy or maybe change in you know, looking inwards and saying, what are we doing that we're not developing these high school pitchers? So let's uh, get some talent. Let's bring in guys like Joe Musgrove and uh, like Chris Archer and see if we can, uh, you know, play well now but also change our thinking for the future of the three players that were given up in that deal now that we know it's finalized do any of them hurt more than the other does the loss of austin meadows maybe sting the most he would i mean he's going to be an everyday outfielder in the major league that's for sure but i think for me at least glass now hurt the most because his stuff was just so far ahead of his contemporaries back when he first started making a name for himself in double A and going into triple A as well, where he was just dominant. And again, you know, we've talked about it ad nauseum to this point, but it just did not click in Pittsburgh. Uh, the Post Gazette, Stephen Nesbitt had a great article today uh, about Glass now, who kind of 
uh, admitted maybe got in his own head a little bit during his time in Pittsburgh. Uh, maybe it just was never going to work out in Pittsburgh for him as a starter. But if he puts it together as a starter with the Tampa Bay Rays, that one will hurt a lot, in my opinion. Breaking news from Aditi Kinkwala of the NFL Network. Ed Bouchette just got run over by Steelers wide receiver Damon Patterson at practice. Uh, she reports he is not limping, therefore she is no longer or, or cannot be characterized as a clown. Uh, moving ahead with Jason Rollison here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Jason, what did you think about the Pirates not pitching Trevor Williams on his scheduled day to start and instead going with Clay Holmes? Do you think that the outrage is justifiable? Yeah, outrage is a, is a conservative word for what happened. I actually joked on Twitter that you know, if you were told me that this this uh, spot start controversy would be the uh, Pirates Twitter version of Ragnarok, I probably would have believed you anyway. But, uh, so, I mean, look, I have no problem with the idea. Let's be very clear. Teams do this all the time, especially later in the season. Um, but to, to bring Holmes up, I would have done. I would have brought up Nick Kingham if possible. Now, Nick Kingham did not show very well in his last start before he went back down, but he still showed you a few more things at the major league level than Holmes did. So I think if you're going to do something like that, bring up Kingham instead of Holmes, and don't point specifically to the core seal factor in all this. You know, the Pirates came out and said, we have data, this magical data, that shows us that people recuperate longer, take longer to recuperate from pitching in course field. I'm not going to say that's wrong. I'm not going to say that's right. But just say you wanted to give your guys a little extra rest before you start playing the Atlanta Braves, the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, the teams in front of them, which their schedule now points them towards. So I know I no problem with the idea. The execution was just all wrong. You know what's going to be odd is if the Pirates take credit for how well their pitchers pitched down the stretch after having done this, if they do wind up pitching well. Uh, all the guys in the rotation had been really, really playing very good baseball. Uh, Jameson Tyone has been outstanding his last 12 or so starts. Joe Musgrove has been quite the fine for these Pittsburgh Pirates. Trevor Williams has refound and regained some of his early season success. And if they continue to do that, Jason, I wonder if the Pirates are going to say, oh, look, it's because we gave them the rest, whereas it still might have happened one way or another had they just continued on the same rest because they had been pitching so darn well anyhow. Well, this is one of those times where the Pirates might be damned if they do, damned if they don't, which happens quite often for them, to be honest. But I, I think, you know, maybe it's time for some of that GM speed to come out and actually help the team for once. You know, just say we, we had the spot start to hopefully give our pitchers some extra days of rest and it seems to work out, period, end of story, move on. That would be the best idea for the Pirates right now from a PR standpoint. Um, but I really think that, you know, as you alluded to, they've just been pitching so well, the guys like Williams and Tyon especially, and Musgrove especially as well, that, you know, I think it's uh, if they come out and, and pitch well in these games, it matter maybe a little more than the one game against the Giants where Clay Holmes started and, you know, work out in the Pirates' favor, even for all the flack they took. What's going on with Starling Marte? Why has he not been as good in August? Is it just time for him to have a little bit of a swoon, or is there something more going on there? Well, I'm looking at some of his peripherals over the past couple of days, and he's making pretty good contact. Uh, I just think he's surrendering a little bit to you know batting average on balls in play. He has had some uh, hard outs during this slump, during this August slump as well. Um, what I'm curious to see, and I've I've said the same thing with Gregory Polanco. Uh, both of them kind of had a free swinging reputation earlier in their careers, so I'm wondering to see what I'm going to be watching for now with Marte is is he going to start pressing? Is he going to start swinging at junk again like he's been known to do in the past? 
or is he going to be resemble more of the more complete player we saw when he was hot this season? Uh, for him, the key to getting out of the slump will be just to make just to go up and make, try to make each at bat a good one. You know, work counts, don't press, and we'll see if he can get out of it. Up up until this point, he's been pretty uh, slump proof in terms of it lasting for quite a while this year, at least. So we'll see what he can do. Do you think Dye is an everyday catcher in the major leagues? Absolutely, I do. Um, if you look at the, the Pirates right now, if you go to Fangrass and look up who's posting the best uh, F war, their version of wins above replacement for catchers, the Pirates uh, have two guys in the top six, Cervelli and Diaz. I think uh, Cervelli is second and Diaz is sixth in terms of uh, wins above replacement by Fangrass measure. Wow. So, yeah, I think he's, I think he's absolutely ready. Um, took a little while. Uh, no one really thought he could hit with this much uh, consistency. Uh, so if he can just be adequate defensively, which he's kind of been for the most part, uh, just adequate enough, I think he can definitely be your everyday catcher, no doubt. Jason Rollison joining us here on the Crowley Show. The rotation, as I had mentioned, had been pitching well. Trevor Williams, Joe Musgrove, Jamison Tyone. Um, for each of those guys, what has led them to their recent success? Well, for Trevor Williams, uh, he his entire game is predicated on fastball command. He works the edges of the strike zone, maybe as well as any Pirates pitcher on the staff right now, reliever or starter. Um, so that kind of worries me a little bit, I'll be honest with you, because what happens if he just has sudden bouts of lack of command like he showed maybe earlier in the year time? Right. But as long as that command is there, you know, his stuff, while not overpowering, can play up because of that command. Uh, for Tyon and Musgrove, it's very simple. I wrote about it today on BucksDugout.com. It's the slider. Um, Tyon introduced the slider to his game this year back in May, and ever since then, all of his other pitches have played so much better because he has that slider. And if you look at like his pitch distribution on different counts, I have it all in the post, but before the slider, you can pretty much tell where he's going to throw and when he's going to throw it. Now the pitch distribution is very even throughout some key counts, 0-2, uh, any two-strike count, really. And for Musgrove, the slider works for him because he has three different kinds of fastballs, a four-seam, a cut fastball, and a two-seamer, that he can throw to anywhere in the zone, really. And if he could do that, he could set up the slider to drop out of the zone and really fool a hitter, especially because his slider and his cut fastball are very similar in spin rate. And I know we're talking we're some really geeky stuff right now, but basically yeah, the baby. slider really – he may be a little bit. Basically, if I sum it up, the slider really works for those guys, and it makes their other pitches look that much better. Should Danny Echeverria be starting every day? Uh, I, yeah, if you're asking me, if you got in my head, I'd say yes. Because the Pirates have been so sloppy at times defensively. We're getting to the point of the season where they cannot throw games away, especially from a defensive standpoint. And for that reason alone, I would probably start Echeverria every day. I would never hold a gun to your head, my friend. Uh, I mean, just, I, I'm anti-gun. I'm not going to do it. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Well, even a squirt gun, that's kind of frightening as well. So, Hey, appreciate the time as always, Jason, and I'm sure we'll do it again soon. Thanks, Adam. There he goes. That's Jason Rawls, and we've got Jason Mackey joining us coming up at 540. Uh, he wrote a couple of great stories about Matt Cullen and about Jake Gensel as he was spending time up in Minnesota with those guys. Uh, really good stuff. Do you want to talk to him about that and some of the things that NBC has done schedule-wise with the with what they're going to put on television? Uh, I think there is an improvement. We'll get to that coming up in a little bit. Uh, as for the Pirates trading Shane Baz as part of this deal, no, they still didn't give up too much. 
they did what you do whenever you want to go out and get a guy. Uh, they paid the price it was going to take, and yeah, it seems costly, no doubt about that. But at the same time, the Pirates bought back some of their fan belief. The fans believe now that the Pirates are going to try to do baseball the way that good teams do baseball. And if you give up Shane Baz, who's not going to see the majors until 2022, who cares? Uh, to buy that cred back, I think it's huge. And to give this team right now a chance to win, and next year's team a chance to win, and the year after that a chance to win, that's got to mean more than giving up three prospects. Coming up next, the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. And I've got some Steelers training camp takeaways. It's a Crowley Show. Sports talk with a little bit of an edge. Can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Damone Patterson ran over Ed Bouchette at Steelers training camp today, the last day of Steelers training camp, and I imagine that it's because he was a splinter cell for Antonio Brown trying to take him out. This thing has gotten so blown out of proportion. I see Mark Madden is on his train, and I will say it for the thousandth time, I like Mark. He does a very good job. He knows what he's doing. He has a take, and he stays within the take, no matter what information changes it's just a little tiresome to me that Mike Tomlin is to be blamed for not suspending Antonio Brown or that Antonio Brown makes this team so unlikable that you shouldn't even be watching him. Look, A.B. is unlikable, I think, off the field. But on the field, he does enough things for me that make it worth it. He's a football player. Uh, he's not going to be the best man at my wedding. He's not going to date my sister. So why the hell do I care if Antonio Brown is a good person off the field? I think it's all blown out of proportion. I think it was classless to go after Ed Bouchette that way, maybe pull him aside and, and talk to him on on the field. But uh, to me, it's just getting blown out of proportion by everyone. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four is the number to call. As always, you can tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Uh, I spent almost all of yesterday's show, I have the hiccups, bitching, bitching about the Pirates' decision-making and what they've done with this new biometric data. And it is still a huge topic on Twitter right now. People are going back and forth and being called stupid and non-stupid and you don't understand analytic data in this and that, the other. And it is nauseating and exhausting and obnoxious. And it's not as big of a deal as the defenders are making it out to be. Oh, this is great. This is cutting it. No. We've known forever that rest helps you recover. That's not biometric data. That is not cutting edge. That's not something new. Now, the, the things that they're using, the measures that they're using in order to back that up, I'm sure fine. That is cutting edge and avant-garde and this and that. I'm not interested in having that conversation anymore. I put that conversation to bed with Jason Rollison and more in-depth we put it to bed yesterday. What is interesting to me, though, is that the Pirates are finally in a spot where we can be having these conversations, and it actually matters. It's not the days of yesteryear, or last year even, where the Pirates do something and you crush them because in the grand scheme of things, the Pirates have been moronic. No, now you're crushing the Pirates because they didn't do the thing that gives them the best chance, in my opinion, to 
pull within a, another game in the wild card race. So instead of saying these pirates don't care and they're not, they don't spend money and Bob Nutting is a jackass and win nothing, spend nothing, all that. We're talking about the Pirates' independent race and what they did and how it affects said pennant race. And that, to me, is sexy. I mean, that is hot. That is badass. That's the first time that this has happened since 2015, and I thought it would be a lot longer before we saw it. Midway through the year, we had talked about the fact that the Pirates weren't a good baseball team and they probably weren't going to contend for a playoff spot and there's nothing to be excited about in the future, and the Pirates turned all that on its head. The Pirates became contenders. The Pirates did the thing that they never do. The Pirates went after the biggest name in the pitching market, and they gave up legitimate prospects. And because of all that, it makes the conversation that we were all having yesterday, it makes the conversation we're all still having today, one worth having. The Pirates, on Tuesday, August 14th, in the middle of Steelers training camp, just prior to really when the Penguins start their camp in September, they're being talked about. Their moves are being dissected. And not from a do-they-care standpoint, but from a did-they-do-the-wrong-thing-in-a-playoff-race standpoint. And I think it's important to step aside and maybe zoom out, look at it from 30,000 feet, and consider it that way. That even though the Pirates yesterday might have punched you, or I guess this weekend, punched you in the groin and made you think they're going back to their old ways with some stupidity, they're also guilty of committing said stupidity in the midst of a playoff race. We're debating a managerial move in a playoff race, in a pennant race, in August. That's pretty badass. Tom, what time is it? And now it's time for the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by To Be Determined. Woo! Ben Roethlisberger was injured today at Steelers practice, and the rumor is he was undergoing evaluation for a concussion. Marquis Pouncey said coming off the field he thinks Ben suffered some whiplash. Not a knee thing, no ligament damage, nothing like that. It is being investigated and being treated as a possible concussion. Now, we know that this is bad. We will hear from a doctor tomorrow from Excella Health that will tell us a bunch about concussions. And we know that those aren't something to scoff at. We know that those aren't things to laugh off or write off. But as far as the football team is concerned... You'd much rather that be the case, a possible concussion be the case, than a knee injury. There's no doubt about that. And it kind of harkens back to segment number one today from the Crowley Show. What do athletes mean to you? Are they just athletes or are they people as well? And from an athlete standpoint, you want to see Ben Roethlisberger have a concussion because that's better than blowing out your knee. But from a personal standpoint, you don't want to see either, obviously, but you'd rather see the knee thinks that he remembers his kids' names 20 years down the road. Bud Dupree did practice today for the Pittsburgh Steelers, as he did yesterday, and he's going to play in Thursday night's game. I'm looking forward to that. The first string defense got pushed around a little bit, I thought, in the early going against the Philadelphia Eagles, although they do have one of the best offensive lines in the league. I'd like to see how Dupree fits in to that. I'd like to see if he can set the edge, if he can help the run defense, and if playing the opposite side is something that's going to benefit him if he's really going to be a better football player this year because of the relocation. I'm not so sure. I've been skeptical from the start, 
but I do want to see it in game action because some players are definitely better in a game than they are in practice. Ben Roethlisberger was not going to play Thursday either way, no matter what happened. Ben Roethlisberger wasn't going to be playing. It wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to be there. But the breaking news today from Mike Tomlin in his press conference was that in addition to Ben Roethlisberger not playing and Antonio Brown and Marquise Pouncey and some of the usual suspects, we're not going to see Landry Jones. That tells me he's got his job locked up. It's something I've been saying from day one when Landry saw Mason Rudolph get drafted, and when I saw Mason Rudolph get drafted, and when we all saw Mason Rudolph get drafted, I said, it doesn't matter this year. Landry's the guy. Two and a half million dollars of salary. Steelers are going to pay it. They have paid him. Why? Because they think he's a good player. Kevin Colbert has said they think he's in the 80 percent, 80th percentile, I guess is the way you're supposed to say, of backup quarterbacks in the National Football League. And because of that, you're going to hand him the ball when Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt. And you think he can guide you to victories in this league, and you don't know that about Mason Rudolph just yet. I thought he looked good on Thursday, but he also had to have a timeout called because he couldn't get set at the line of scrimmage, couldn't have the play called, couldn't get out of the huddle. He doesn't have the greatest arm strength, and until he understands on every play where he's supposed to go with the football, that's going to be an issue. Landry doesn't have great arm strength either, but he knows where to go. Landry Landry Jones knows how to read a defense. Landry Jones knows how to check in and out of plays. And that's so valuable to a football team that considers themselves Super Bowl contenders. So Landry's the guy. He was always going to be the guy. What stinks, though, for Josh Dobbs is you've got to be looking at this thinking, how the hell do I crack my way out of this roster and I guess if you're him your hope is that the Steelers for the first time in a long time decide to hold four quarterbacks that the first time in a long time the Steelers say you know we're not holding three we're going to keep four now I've always been of the opinion only keep two because you can only have a couple active on game day anyhow Uh, only keep the two bring a guy up from the practice squad when there's an injury well this year I think the Steelers might consider keeping four And if you're Josh Dobbs, that's what you have to be praying for. Go out there, play your ass off, do some things with your arm, not just your legs, and prove to the Steelers that you are an adequate option as the number four quarterback. That you're worth keeping around so that next year when Landry Jones is gone, you can maybe be that two, or you definitely are going to be that three. Make yourself valuable to the point where they don't want to expose you to waivers. They don't want to try to get you on the practice squad. The question is, will he wind up on the practice squad? Could he sneak his way to the practice squad? I'm sure there were teams that had third, fourth round grades on Josh Dobbs before. And if they're one of those teams, whenever he is released by the Steelers, if he were to be released by the Steelers, maybe they would claim him and put him on the squad. Josh Dobbs just wants to see his career continue. And the best chance for that to happen in Pittsburgh, I still contend, is for him to get hurt. And I still think we'll see it in the fourth preseason game. He'll bust up his knee or he'll bust up his toe or he'll bust up his arm. And the Steelers will keep him on scholarship for one more year. They'll save money next year. They'll expect Mason Rudolph to be ready. And the $2.5 million, not going to be there because Landry Jones will be playing for somebody else, Cleveland or whomever. Whomever, whatever team it is. Not Cleveland, they have a thousand different quarterbacks. But whatever team it is. And we'll see what happens there. Now, as the season moves on, The number two gets reps. 
The number one gets reps. The number three barely gets any reps. And this is the only downside, I think, for Landry Jones being the backup quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers is that Mason Rudolph's not going to get a lot of time to develop. He'll learn. He'll be able to get in and out of the checks better. He'll understand the offense better next year, no doubt about that, after spending a year watching film and within the system. But he's not going to be out there taking the live reps. He might throw the ball 10, 15 times in a practice as the number three quarterback. So that stinks for him. But that being said, it's not the Pittsburgh Pirates here. The Pittsburgh Pirates would worry about getting a guy reps so that you could contend in the future. The Pittsburgh Pirates would say, all right, Mason, let's see what you can do so that down the road our future looks great. The Steelers ain't concerned about that. Steelers say, eh, we'll give you 10, 15 reps of practice during the regular season. Landry Jones will be that guy getting all the twos. Ben Roethlisberger is going to get a bunch of reps, and we're just going to live with it. We'll live with the future because right now is most important, and I think that's something that is important to talk about. That was the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun, brought to you by To Be Determined. Woo! Coming up next, the National Hockey League has changed some things in terms of the broadcasting on NBC. I like the moves. And Jason Mackey was up in Minnesota hanging out with Jake Gensel and Matt Cullen. Always time for Hockey Talk on the Crowley Show. We'll get to it next with Mackey. It's ESPN Pittsburgh. Sports talk with a little bit of an edge. Can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. The NHL, in accordance with NBC, announced a new TV plan this year. No Wednesday night rivalry games. I like that. Because half the games that they said were rivalries weren't really rivalries. There are only two teams, I believe, that aren't going to be on national television this year. And it's Ottawa and the Islanders. That makes sense because they're the Islanders and Ottawa. We bring in our friend Jason Mackey from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette to discuss that and much, much more. Uh, He wrote a couple of great pieces after traveling to Minnesota uh, to hang out with Matt Cullen and Jake Gensel. How you doing today, buddy? It's been a long time. Doing great, I know. It's been a long time. I like the uh, Minnesota you got in there, too. Beautiful place. It's a hockey show we do here, okay? And it's hockey time, and it's hockey time, but it doesn't get much better than up in Minnesota for hockey, does it? I mean, uh, what what struck you from that standpoint being up there? Yeah, I mean, I I love my city, and I'm proud to be from here, and I think Pittsburgh is just a wonderful sports town. But, man, I mean, we're not Minnesota when it comes to loving hockey and that just being sort of the lifeblood of the town. Um, I was lucky enough to see a couple of the beauty league games, uh, which is like the, the Minnesota summer league up there. And man, I mean, this place, the, I guess like infrastructure wise, it was about the size of the UPMC Lemieux sports complex. Absolutely filled people bringing their family. This, this place was just buzzing. I mean, it's for a summer league game at the beginning of August. These people live this stuff. They love it. Um, so, I mean, that, that just struck me in how big Minnesota hockey is. College, uh, minors, juniors, pro, whatever it is, all levels, um, these people eat it up. Not to go off on a little tangent here, but why not? I haven't talked in a while, so I'll ask the question. If, if Pittsburgh were to get into that stratosphere, does it have to be embracing a team like Robert Morris, making that a, a, a big-time hockey school in terms of the fanfare, things of that nature? Yeah, I mean, I just think there, there's a lot of avenues that need improved, and I, I think Pittsburgh is very well off, and 
you know, I'm 34, and if I compare it to when I was a little kid, I mean, it's night and day. And I would hope that, you know, maybe another 10 years or something like that, we take a whole bunch of other giant steps forward. And I think um, I wrote my 20 thoughts today that if we look at this boom um, that was created from Sidney Crosby playing in the league and maybe some of those kids start getting older and in college and that sort of age, I do think there might be the talent there to support it, and I think there might be the interest to support that talent. And that's just what it's going to have to be. I do think that Pittsburghers will support something that is interesting and successful. It's just, you know, right now I think that sort of, you know, our wheelhouse in terms of hockey talent and hockey numbers is still sort of creeping into that age range. Jason Mackey joining us from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Tell me a little bit about hanging out with Matt Cullen. Uh, what, what What became of that uh, little adventure? Yeah, man, it was uh, a very good adventure, too. So um, on Tuesday, Steph Chambers, a post-gazette photographer who went with me and I, we drove um, from Eden Prairie, Minnesota, where we stayed, um, up to Moorhead, which is, like, you know, on the North Dakota border in the middle of nowhere, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, we left at, like, 4 a.m., so we're, like, driving at sunrise to this stuff, and I'm just, like, freaking out the whole time to Steph. Like, I'm pulling the car over on the side of the road, just, like, it's, it's so beautiful, man, but... Anyway, so we saw one of Cullen's on-ice workouts, saw one of his off-ice workouts, um, took a little break for lunch. We went into North Dakota, uh, like Fargo, downtown Fargo, and got a bite to eat and some coffee. That was amazing. I had never been to North Dakota before and then um, went over to Cullen's house for a little bit to do like a formal interview and a little bit of a tour and stuff. But, um, you know, you would expect Cullen's house to be nice. You would expect it to like have a gym in it and, and just a ton of play space for his kids. Um, I, I was struck by just how much Matt puts into this. I mean, I knew that he cared. I knew that he worked out hard. To see it with my own two eyes was just fascinating. And I wrote about this. He, he works out with this thing. It's called an ARP machine. Um, I don't even remember what it stands for, ARP. And it's basically like this electronic stimulation. And he has going through his body at all times with, like, these four different sticky pads. And to do anything with that, let alone, like, some of the exercises and stuff Colin was doing, was wild. And we're talking about a 41-year-old guy uh, pushing himself to the absolute max. Um, it was it was very impressive, Adam. What does he think he can offer to the Penguins this year? And what does he think was one of the reasons why maybe it, it, it didn't work out in Minnesota? One of the reasons he's not going back there? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll tackle the second part of that first. But when I was up there, I talked to Matt a lot. And honestly, this was a conversation that he and I had had dating back to January. It's just it was off the record and unprompted. He he talked about it when I was up there. But there just was no fit whatsoever in Minnesota and how they wanted to play and, and what Matt sort of thought about. Even something as simple as, like, learning the system and, and feeling comfortable in what he was trying to do. As I understand it, that didn't even happen till halfway through the year. Meanwhile, the other side of that coin is when he came to Pittsburgh, he immediately felt good, immediately understood it. It, it just sort of meshed with how he thought about things and how comfortable he felt. And You know, I do think that there's some validity to that. Like, I don't care whether we're talking about an NBA team or a football team running certain kind of plays. I mean, there is sort of a feel with hockey, and you have to feel comfortable, and, and Cullen did that. And so – there really wasn't any thought given uh, to coming back to Minnesota, in part because I don't think they would have wanted him back, but two, it just didn't work. I think they had these sort of grand ideas that you go home, play one more year, everything goes great, you lead the hometown team on a cup run or something like that, and it just it came nowhere close. But with the possibility of him playing for the Penguins and 
you know, he will be uh, somebody who moves up and down the lineup. He'll probably play a decent amount of wing. He'll kill penalties. Hopefully, you know, as far as they think, he'll chip in the odd goal. Um, and he'll be a very good presence in that dressing room. After seeing him in the workouts, any reservations at all whenever you, you look at him and, and you think, okay, he is 41 and how difficult it's going to be? Or do you look at him and you think he the way he works out makes him look like and, and play like a much younger man? Yeah, I, I don't have any reservations whatsoever, Adam. And I, I know I get feedback on you know comments on stories or emails or you know things on Twitter or whatever. And, you know, I, I think some people probably accuse me of having black and gold colored glasses or something on this one but i just i don't see the crime in a six hundred fifty thousand dollar one-year contract absolutely to a guy who's going to play fourth line minutes he's going to kill penalties he's going to do a bunch of little things and honestly man being around that team last year they lacked a guy like cohen you know they need somebody with a little bit of miles on him you know jake gensel is a great player only is a great player brian goomlin's a great player but there's just not that life experience built up, and it, things were kind of tense at a lot of times last year, and they, they needed somebody as calm as Colin with that sort of perspective. No, I think Chris Kunis would have done the trick as well, but um, you know, for, for myriad reasons, that never worked. And if you're bringing back a guy like that who I think can still play, that it's minimal risk, very good off-ice fit, I don't see the problem with it. We're being joined by Jason Mackey here on the Crowley Show. All right, let's flip now to Jake Gensel. Uh, one of the things that he has had happen to him in his career, or it, it's just something that he he's not been able to do, is put together a great regular season and a great postseason run. And uh, he's been very good in the playoffs. You hear oftentimes that a guy that size, smaller stature, can they handle the rigors of an 82-game season? I, I think he can. Is that what he's working on now, is being the player he was in the playoffs now for the regular season? Yeah, I think Gensel's regular season last year lacked, but I don't think it lacked because of his size. You know, I don't I don't think you can look at that thing and say, oh, well, he just wasn't big enough. Um, you know, I don't think from everything that I found out from going up there and sort of heard throughout the way last season, and, and you know, I was happy to have a lot of it sort of discussed for me or the Gensels were, were willing to talk about this meeting with Mike Sullivan and how it kind of set Jake straight and they're amending his off-ice habits and, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I had heard sort of rumors of that and how Jake handled himself, and um, I think that's the, that was the problem. That's what they're trying to rectify. Um, in the offseason, he's been going bonkers in the weight room. He looks really good. He's added a bunch of weight very quickly. Um, I talked to his trainer, and it's it's not just weight, but it's added flexibility. He's been doing a bunch of range of motion stuff. So it's not like he's bulking up and he's going to lose anything. It's doing both. Um, he's had a really good summer in the gym, and, you know, his dad was concerned. His brothers were concerned. I think Jake was concerned. The Penguins were concerned about sort of the day-to-day life of a pro and trying to beat that into Jake's head. And it's not because he's a problem or a jerk. It's because he was a kid in his early 20s who didn't cook and figured, what the heck, man, I'm just going to go out and buy dinner because I can. I'm going to go to the casino because I can. And they're just trying to tamp that down a little bit. Jason Mackey joining us here on the Crowley Show. What's your favorite thing about getting to do this, Jason? I mean, you did it with Sidney Crosby. Uh, You spent some time with Matt Murray as well. Now you get to spend the time with these guys. You go on these summer trips and... I mean, I know there's a lot of work that's being done, but it also sounds like it's very enjoyable and something that you're having a lot of fun doing. 
I have a lot of pride in doing this, Adam. I, I think they're really fun. Um, I have a couple points I want to make on that. But one, I think it's amazing that the Post-Gazette supports me doing these. You know, I know when I went to them with the idea of going to Minnesota, there was no questions asked. They said, go, um, we're going to send a photographer, book the flights, get the story. And that you just can't appreciate that enough from a journalist standpoint. But, I mean, what I love, I, I love going there and getting a story. I love going there and seeing how the sausage is made. You know, we see these guys in polished form and practice and whatever. Um, and when you go up there in the summer, I mean, things are just different. You know, guys' demeanors are different. Accessibility is different. Everyone I've done with these, you spend a lot of time talking off the record. You get a good perspective on things. And obviously in that, you also want to trust the player's wishes. And I think there's a certain amount of trust build up when you spend that time with the player. They realize, you know, that you're a human too. You have a job to do. And um, obviously you're going to be respectful within the on-the-record, off-the-record boundaries. But, I mean, you end up talking about family. You know, shoot, Matt Cullen and I, we sat down for the interview and started talking about how our kids get up at 6 a.m. You know, it's just like random things like that that bridge the reporter-athlete divide. And, and you do that, and then you're writing a really good piece that you get to be creative with. And you know, Steph Chambers did a tremendous job with photo and video, and it's a, a great presentation for readers. So I take a lot of pride in being able to do that and then also – um, you know, just getting to know the athlete better in a different setting, I feel like, is very productive. Now, you've covered the Steelers as well. Is it different, the level of access that you get to have with the Penguins? Are the, are they different breed of athletes than uh, NFL football players? There are good people in the in the Steelers locker room, too, no doubt about it. But it just, yep. I, don't know if, I don't know if that kind of thing would happen with them. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. And it's funny you bring that up because we were – we were at Cullen's workout, and one of his best friends um, operates a gym. And he's not necessarily Cullen's trainer, but he kind of like lets lets Cullen in. Cullen does his own thing, and whatever. Like me, Steph, Cullen, and this trainer, his name was Joel. We're just kind of standing around, kind of BSing while Matt was working out. And um, he said something, the trainer Joel, um, about you know the Steelers, and did you ever do any Steelers stuff? Did you ever do this with the Steelers? And I was like, absolutely not. Um, and that's not, I, I don't feel like that's a dig on the Steelers. It's just the culture of football and the culture of hockey are so different. And that's one of the things I love so much about covering hockey is these things are, you know, on the table. Guys are amenable to doing this and you can approach them. I think there's uh, probably a little bit of a healthier respect for the role of media on hockey. Um, you know, I'm seeing what's going on with Ed Bouchette and Antonio Brown right now, and I, I, I just can't in a million years imagine a hockey player taking to Twitter to chew me out for something that I tweeted. That's not to say that a hockey player or a coach or a, a, somebody in management wouldn't approach me and said, hey, you're wrong, or I disagree with this, or I want to talk about this. It's just, you know, it's just a different way of conducting yourself. And I think part of that is these sort of summer visits. I also think it's you know, when you do a story, people are willing to help you and talk to you. And I never take that for granted about hockey. It's very nice that you can get access to a lot of people and that they're helpful with media and they want their sport covered. The Penguins included, very good with allowing me to do this stuff. Um, it's just something, believe me, I don't take for granted. Jason, we're not all that long off from training camp now coming up. Uh, and then it is the grind. Do you, and one last question for you, do you, Anticipate we're going to see any more Penguins moves, or is this this the team they'll be rolling into 2018 with? 
Yeah, I think this is the team they're going to be rolling into 2018 with Adam. But, I, you know, I, I think Jim is in sort of a – Rutherford, of course, is in sort of a wait-and-see mode with this group. I don't think he'll be quick to – or I don't think he'll be, you know, long to, to let things fester. And what I mean by that is if they're not getting enough production out of their bottom six, he's going to do something. You know, if they still have a problem on defense, he's going to do something. Um, it, it, I think they feel confident right now that this group is good enough, but they're still going to watch Derek Broussard and, and see, you know, was it really an injury that limited him or is he going to be okay? You know, is Daniel Sprong going to be able to score enough to keep his spot in the lineup? Um, is Jake Gensel going to be the type of player that we're looking at and talking about? So uh, this is the group that's going to go into the beginning of the 2018-2019 season, but at the same time, if something's not right, I wouldn't be surprised if Jim does something, you know, even in November or December. Really appreciate the time, Jason. Really love the stuff, and I'm sure we'll be talking a lot as hockey season uh, progresses, as long as you agree to come on, of course, which you always seem to do. So I, I appreciate My it, man. as always, man. Thanks a lot. I love it. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Keep kicking ass. There he goes. That's Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, uh, one of my favorite people to talk about hockey with, one of my favorite people to talk to in general, just a really nice guy. And the stories, if you haven't checked him out, follow him on Twitter and make sure that you do do that. We've got a giveaway for you. I'll be at Fam Fest, Family Fest, pardon me, at Heinz Field uh, from 4 o'clock until 8 on Sunday and be broadcasting. Dale Lally, Matt Williamson. If you want to see us, guess what? I'm giving you an opportunity. Well, not really because we're going to be sequestered far away from you. But you can win a family four-pack of tickets to Steelers Family Fest at Heinz Field for this Sunday if you call in right now, and you are the fifth caller, 412-922-2874. That's 412-922-2874. It's the Crowley Show.